Welcome, all you happy warriors. Welcome, each and every one of you, to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, where I, your rabbi, remind you that the more that things change, the more we need to depend upon those things that never change. That's right. And uh, among those things that never change is government voraciousness for money. Now, of course, everybody wants money. That's understandable. But uh, government is in a slightly different position. And the reason, one of the many reasons that I supported uh, Donald Trump from the spring of 2016, and even a bit earlier than that, um, was because I thought to myself that a pragmatic businessman is not going to be worse than a socialist ideologue. And I go back again to a speech that uh, um, Obama gave uh, a few years back uh, in during his second term. And uh, the, the speech was his, all about his new management agenda. And he revealed his deep contempt for the private sector. He, he revealed his contempt for how capitalism worked and how private human beings operate, which we saw echoed again and again during his presidency, most notoriously perhaps in the, you didn't build that, you didn't build that. Uh, you might remember that charming little episode. But in this particular speech, um, he uh, said that he was determined to recruit, um, and I'm quoting, the brightest minds to work in government. Quoting, I'm going to be asking more people around the country, more inventors and entrepreneurs and visionaries to sign up and serve. <laughs> well, okay, look, um, sometimes the easiest way to uh, break down these things and analyze what's really going on is to reduce it to a visible perspective. And regular listeners to this show will already know that I'm inordinately fond of the island analogy. It just works well. And it's going to work well here, too. When I depict for you a, a remote, isolated island, and that's always a stipulation, isn't it? I mean, none of these islands are are uh, you know just off the 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 coast of New York. I mean, the islands we talk about are remote and isolated. Okay, on this remote and isolated island, uh, land a group of shipwrecked cruise line passengers, and their job obviously is to make sure that they can survive until the rescue comes. And you know, let's also stipulate that for whatever mysterious reasons. A rescue won't come for two years. So they have their work cut out for them. They've really got to figure out a lot of things, and they've got to make a lot of things work. Well, first of all, obviously, is the question of food. And that's really the only one I'm going to be looking at right now, okay? Uh, I mean, as you can imagine, there are all kinds of other issues, such as uh, uh, how to deal with sex. Uh, in other words, are we going to have 
marriage on this island? Are we going to have free love? And what happens to offspring? And who takes care of uh, pregnant ladies who have morning sickness? There are a lot of questions. But anyway, right now, let's just talk about it as being a group of of, uh, cruise line passengers. uh, And the only issue we're concerned about right now is having enough food to survive. And uh, what happens is they might form a sort of a governing committee and uh, they might then decide to send out exploratory parties. Uh, They'll send out one group of of people, uh, their fellow passengers, and they say, look, you look and see if there's any wildlife. Is there any game on this island, wild pigs, deer, bison, anything that we can slaughter and use for meat? Um, uh, are there any wild goats that we could milk? You, you know, you go look for wildlife. Uh, they sent others to go and forage for uh, vegetables and fruit. They sent another team to go and see what the water supply situation was. How far was it to the nearest water? This would have a bearing on where they set up their camp. And they uh, sent the final team out to the lagoon to uh, begin the process of trying to catch fish. Uh, to supplement the food supply for the group. So as you can see, this is uh, kind of a nice um, manageable size little problem because you you can easily visualize it. You can see the problems they're going to have. You can see uh, how they're going to solve some of these. Well, at any rate, uh, a little time goes by. They've set up a water supply or they're in the process of doing it. And uh, they are now doing a little uh, basic agriculture rather than just depending on the the trees that are on the island. They're planting vegetables, they're planting fruit, they really are, are working. And by the way, living is not so uh, luxurious. You know, as you can imagine, it's going to take a little while for everything to get up to speed. Meanwhile, people are, are, are a little bit hungry, but uh, they're surviving and they're looking forward to better times. And at that point, the managing committee says to everybody, well, uh, we now, quoting the words of Barack Obama, we want to recruit some of the brightest of you passengers to join us on this committee, and we will devote ourselves full time, morning, noon, and night, we will be devoting ourselves to figuring out ways to improve our situation and uh, setting up Uh, a little judiciary system to resolve the inevitable disputes that arise whenever human beings live together, and uh, we'll be taking care of that. Now, on this model, it's very easy, is it not, to see that the more people you add on to that governing committee, the fewer people there are engaged in growing food or catching fish or uh, Uh, building a little channel to bring the water supply closer. In other words, the folks on the managing committee or the governing committee are not doing anything at all to help eat, to help everyone else eat, to help produce food. What they're doing is auxiliary stuff. And the fewer people engaged in it, the better, because the more people we can put to work on growing Uh, crops or searching out for fruit trees or finding new vegetables. The more people that can be doing that, uh, the sooner everyone will be eating. And of course, the better everyone will be eating. The more people you take away and place in this little governmental unit, uh, the less everyone is going to have to eat. And it's exactly the same 
with 330 million people in the United States of America, of whom more and more and more and more uh, work for government. And Obama says, I'm going to be asking more people around the country to join the government. And this is good? Why? Surely it would be much better if all those inventors and entrepreneurs and visionaries and creators and, and, um, and builders would be much better if they'd be doing all of those things, right? Imagine, you know, imagine if Washington, Warren Buffett would have become a Washington bureaucrat or Steve Jobs wouldn't have started Apple. He'd have uh, gone to work for the government. This, this is better. This improves everyone's life. Well, this is one of the great cultural battles in the United States of America and elsewhere too, in Europe and other places, uh, whether government as the founding fathers of this country dreamed, uh, would be best if it was small and limited and restricted in its powers, or whether life becomes improved the more we can turn to government, turn over to government. And this really uh, is the clash that is is going on, and uh, it's it's probably one of the main reasons that. Uh, of, of a number of reasons, that uh, Donald Trump was elected president of the United States in uh, November 2016. But uh, it really is a, uh, a clash that goes on and on and on, whether or not government, and you've got people who've worked for government all their lives. Don't forget the fathers, founding fathers, never intended there to be a permanent political class, right? And now we've got people who've never done anything else at all in all their lives. All they've been is on Capitol Hill. Not a good idea. Not a good idea at all. Um, there have been a number of instances um, in, of, of legislators who've left and gone into business and who've said, if I only would have known then what I know now of how hard it is to start a business and run a business in America, regulations, taxation of numerous kinds, payroll, all of these things, uh, I would have voted differently on so many things during my years in government. But now we've got huge numbers of the men and women who govern us who've really done nothing else. This, this is all they've done all their lives. That's a very, very bad situation. Much better that somebody leaves a successful career devotes four or six or eight years to government and plans then on going back to his farm, back to his business, just like George Washington did, uh, rather than the people uh, we now have it. And one of the indications, by the way, that we're overpaying our legislators is the large number of people trying to get in. Right? There's never a shortage of people willing and eager to run, right? Because it's the great lottery. You win that lottery, and then from then onwards, all you've got to do is every few years make sure you get reelected. but you have uh, wonderful pay, you have enormous power, there are people fawning at your feet constantly, the, the benefits are incalculable, it's a great job, and the evidence that we're overpaying is the large number of people eager to get those jobs. I'm just saying. Okay. All right. Uh, the website, as usual, I, I mean... Those of you who've been listening to uh, to this show for more than a week or two, you got to already know the website, right? RabbiDanielLappin.com. you got to know that. And you got to know that uh, each week we highlight a specific product that uh, is on sale. And this week, a really, really 
special one. Remember, not only the website rabbidaniellappin.com, but Jewish Wisdom television shows. You'll get that on three DVDs, 12 shows on each, excuse me, four shows on each DVD for a total of 12 terrific shows that we've specially selected for you. Uh, so have a look at it at rabbidaniellappin.com and uh, take a look at the store and I, your rabbi, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, with enormous eagerness and unlimited enthusiasm, will be returning. And yes, why, why do I think of you as happy warriors? Well, one of the, uh, the tricks of effective broadcasting is to visualize your audience. Because otherwise, it's, it's possible to lose some of the excitement and the vitality that's an integral part of being in front of a microphone. Uh, when you're with a live audience, you, you get that energy bounced back at you from everybody sitting out there in front of you. But with a microphone, you, you visualize your audience. So how do I visualize my audience? Well, first of all, in, in visual terms, uh, my audience is made up exclusively and entirely every single woman in my audience is beautiful and every single man handsome and virile each and every one of you that's how i see you and philosophically happy warriors what do i mean by that well it's obvious happy is a state of mind right it's got nothing to do with your circumstances it's your ability to shape your outlook in, in such a way so as to just radiate a happy being all the time, which is a fantastically wonderful characteristic to have, not only because it makes your own life so much more successful, but just as importantly, it makes you wonderful to be around. For the people among whom you live, whether it's domestically or at, at work, the people you interact with uh, are so uh, appreciative, I think, would be the best word. They're so appreciative of being around somebody who's happy. So I see you all as happy people, not without challenges. Obviously, we all have challenges of, of all kinds, health, financial, relationship. They're challenges, but that's the warrior part. Not warrior. You're not, you're not a person filled with worry and concern or fear. No, 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 not at all. No, uh, you are warriors uh, constantly fighting the status quo, uh, constantly defeating the seductive allure of contentment. Uh, this is one of the enormous problems with retirement, that one ceases fighting. And when one ceases fighting, a large part of one's grip on life is relinquished. So you were all happy warriors, and I am too. And here we are together on the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, uh, talking right now about one of the most extraordinary um, discussions that still rages on the pages of the women's magazines that I peruse regularly for you on your behalf so you don't have to do it. Uh, it. The argument is waged there. It's waged on the internet. It's waged in all kinds of discussion forums. And uh, uh, how did I come across this? Well, I'm busy working out uh, chapter uh, titles or, or, or um, headings or, or approaches for my new book on money and marriage. And I thought, you know what might be interesting is to have each chapter 
um, focus on a, 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 a mystery, right? So, um, for instance, one might be, so why are people irrational about money? Why is it that people who are frugal and careful with money might uh, waste uh, $6 worth of gasoline to drive across town to be able to save nine cents a gallon on a 15-gallon fill-up. It just doesn't make sense, and yet so many of us do it. And so, you know, that's an example of something which needs talking about. So why is it that we are rational about many things, but not so much about money and not so much about marriage? Uh, the uh, Another one, and this is the one I really uh, hit upon, which I was fascinated by, I thought, look, uh, here we are in this enlightened day and age. Uh, it's egalitarian times. We finally come to understand that men and women are absolutely identical. And what's more, it's not even limited to men and women. There, There is a sliding scale. Uh, people are not either men or women. They they can vary, and at different times they can be one, and then they can be the other. And um, and look, we're all enlightened people today. After all, even the Laleshi League. And uh, gentlemen, if you do not know what the Laleshi League is, uh, I will overlook it this time. Uh, out of a spirit of magnanimity and breadth of spirit, I will overlook it. But, uh, of course, the ladies all know what the Laleshi League is. Um, it's uh, to promote and advocate for and help and support uh, the womanly art of breastfeeding, right? Nursing your baby uh, as opposed to giving your baby formula. And I'm not going to spend even a minute of my precious time with you today um, wading into that debate between <laughs> formula or uh, or breast milk, I uh, I will just tell you one thing, and that is, I was a breastfed baby. Okay, let the record speak for itself. But uh, at any rate, the Laleshi League on their website actually say that they understand, they accept that in these enlightened times with our deeper understanding of human sexuality, we understand that men can also breastfeed their babies. And so um, the Leshy League is made up of not only women, but also men who subscribe to the principles and who all breastfeed, etc., etc. So they uh, have bought in hook, line, and sinker to this idea that a, uh, a woman who takes hormones uh, male testosterone hormones and puts on men's clothing and cuts her hair short is now a man and uh, miracle of miracles if she happens to be nursing a baby at the same time well now it's a man nursing a baby uh, you know I must tell you in in years to come uh, social scientists are going to look back on the 21st century the first few decades and they're going to look and say, were they mad? Were they stock staring bonkers? But, um, but that's where we're at right now. And so the question I, I asked myself was that here in these enlightened days, surely the custom 
of a man paying for a date, right? Man invites a woman out on a date, they go out for dinner, or they go to her movies and have popcorn and uh, soda or whatever they're doing, uh, the, the guy pays. And I thought to myself, this would surely be one of those relics of old-time gallantry that will have certainly gone by the wayside. Uh, reason? Well, th there are a lot of reasons. Uh, one would be that um, a woman who lets a man pay might feel that she is perpetuating an anti-feminist stereotype, that she's perpetuating, perpetuating some lingering relic of, of gender relations from the 1950s. Um, number one, number two, she might say, um, uh, you know, I want a full and equal relationship. And an equal relationship means that uh, uh, we each pay 50% of every, of every date. Uh, another reason is she might say, uh, I don't want him to take for granted the idea that uh, sexual favors will be granted automatically because I'm not an object to be bought and sold. Um, and so for these and, um, and other reasons, I speculated to myself that today uh, I'm sure the majority of women uh, want to either split the cost of a date or alternate paying for dates, whatever it is, but certainly that the, the custom of the man uh, paying for the date will, will have eroded and uh, perhaps vanished. Well, it didn't take me long to research this. As I told you, as an aficionado of uh, magazines that you do not want to waste your time reading, and you don't have to because you have assigned me the task of doing it for you, uh, I was able to discover the truth about this baffling topic. The website, rabbidaniellappin.com, ancient Jewish wisdom television shows, uh, you'll love them. You really will. Uh, the uh, the twelve we've selected are uh, uh, fit into certain categories that you'll enjoy putting together, and um, there it is at rabbidaniellappin.com. Have a look at uh, the Ancient Jewish Wisdom Television Show. Three DVDs, four TV shows on each one, and also take a look at uh, anything else that you might want. Good time to get it. So welcome everybody, you happy warriors, back on the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, where I, your rabbi, reveal how the world really works, and seldom do I do a show where how the world really works is on more evident display than it is in this show today. Uh, because... Looking at this question of who pays for a date, the man or the woman, I gave you in the last segment some reasons why I was sure that in these enlightened times, uh, women would insist on doing their fair share of paying. After all, what woman would want to come across as a gold digger? What woman wants to come across as trying to save money at the expense of the guy she's dating, having him carry all the costs. Uh, or, you know, uh, maybe, maybe she believes the old myth that women earn 70 cents for every dollar men earn. 
And if that's the case, she might think, well, I, I don't want to uh, be perceived as a charity case. I make good money, and I'm proud of that, and I want to pay my fair share. So I thought that by now, virtually everybody would have accepted the idea of total equality on the bay, on the date, and that uh, men and women are the same, and the economic relationship is based on nothing but equality. That's what I expected. But you, with your deeper wisdom and more profound insight into human affairs, you're laughing at me. You're mocking me. And you're saying, how could you not have known? Well, there it is. I had to dig into the culture. I had to probe all the darker recesses of our social environment in order to discover that even women's magazines point out that 77% of young women want the man to pay for the date. Wow. Well, that's interesting. So what's happened to all that feminism? What's happened to all that ideological rhetoric? What's happened to all that womanly anger at men? Now, all of a sudden, you want him to pay for dinner? What's going on here? And that became the subject of this week's research as I decided I was going to get to the bottom of this. I was going to do so by reading everything I could lay my hands on, listening to everything I could obtain, and above all, from talking to women. And so that's what I did, all for your benefit. It is not for nothing that I am frequently referred to as the Mother Teresa of Broadcasting, because I am filled with compassion for your time and make certain that I save you as much of it as possible by bringing you the information and depositing it it comfortably in your lap without you having to go out and uh, reconnoiter for it. I bring it all to you. Yes, 77% of young women expect, want, and are happier if the man pays for the date. What's going on there? How does this work? Well, let me explain a few things. First of all, uh, I should tell you that um, when a woman is going out with a man, the my presumption is that she wants to get married. Now, I understand that there are women who've bought into the hookup culture. I understand there are women who are active on Tinder, which, by the way, is changing a little bit. Tinder started off purely as a hookup uh, device, it was, and, and it prospered mightily. But as time has gone by, it is now used as much by people who are, are looking for a long-term relationship. People, you see, that's just a, a less frightening way of saying what it really means, which is looking for marriage. Women have been so well indoctrinated to never say, I want to get married because it'll drive off men. Wrong. It'll drive off boys, whom you don't want anyway, ladies. But it won't drive off men. 
and uh, the, uh, the 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 whole process of uh, meeting people today um, is is tinged with anxiety and distorted by cultural expectations. But I, I will tell you this, that a woman dating somebody is a woman who is trying her best to get the reading on this guy. She's trying to find out if he would be the right man for her to hitch her wagon to, because that's really what it is. It's all very nice that we say, oh, marriage is a coming together of equals today, and it's egalitarian, and it's no one more than the other. Well, if that were true, my friends, which it isn't, but if that were true, then you would find that 50% of the marriages you know came about because the woman proposed, and the other 50% came about because the man proposed. But you know that's not true. You know that almost all marriages take place only when the man proposes. And the woman sometimes is twiddling her fingers, uh, frustrated, complaining to her sisters or her mom, saying, when is he going to propose? And she knows that absolutely nothing can happen until he does. But wait a second, if this is nothing but the egalitarian coming together of two equals, then what's the difference if one proposes rather than the other? Well, obviously, the, uh, the initial presumption is entirely erroneous. It's not true at all. The fact is, it's not a coming together of equals. It is a man inviting and asking a woman to spend the rest of her life with him. And so much of her life depends on whom she marries, much less so than a man, by the way. Yes, a man can make a bad marriage choice and ruin his life. Yeah, it's true. But uh, he has more ability to go ahead and do the things he was planning on doing anyway. If a woman makes a bad choice in a marriage, it's pretty rough. And uh, and you, you, your sympathy has to go out much more to a woman than a man in, in this area. If you, if you think about it, it has to. And so if there's one thing then that a woman wants to know is as much as possible about this man she's dating. And yet, how on earth do you do that? How do you find out about a guy? You're dating him for heaven's sake, right? You don't see him at work because nowadays we've been told that it's verboten to date people at work. Don't you dare do a thing like that. Uh, and so you don't, you, know, you, don't, you don't end up dating people you, you spend hours a day with at work. So you end up dating somebody who you spend uh, you know, an hour or two of an evening with a few times a week. And, and then in due course, you're supposed to make up your mind based on that. Look, he's on his best behavior right? He, uh, he, he washed his neck and shaved his face for the date, uh, put on clean clothes for the date. Um, he behaves nicely to you on the date. That's no indication of what he's going to be like years down the road. How do you find that out? Well, one of the ways is you get to know his family, but that's hard today. In my research for this show, I spoke to a lot of women who are dating guys whose families are out of town. And it's as much as you can do to get a chance to meet his friends, let alone his family. What is she supposed to do? It's very difficult. And in the final analysis, my friends, one of the very best ways, 
for her to get a sense of him is through his money. Now, please understand, I realize women are terrified of being thought of as gold diggers and just interested in his money. I understand all of that. But uh, I am also explaining that this is not just money. It is much more important than that. It is not an accident that in ancient Jewish wisdom, money is thought of as lifeblood. Let me explain a little bit about this. If the guy pays for the date, there are a few things that are going on. And, and, and let me just dive in. Before I tell you that, I think I have to tell you that when I told you 77% of women want the guy to pay, please know that with most of those women, that's not because they're trying to save a dollar. That's not because they're trying to exhibit frugal behavior at the expense of their date. It really isn't. I'm quite certain, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the majority of women who expect the man to pay, not for economic reasons, but for emotional reasons. First of all, our website, rabbidaniellappin.com. You know that already, right? Go ahead. Do us both a favor. Uh, make sure you signed on for uh, weekly emails. Make sure that uh, you, if you have any questions to ask of uh, me or my wife, that's the place. The website, rabbidaniellappin.com, is the place to do it. And head over to the store. Get something, right? A transaction is good for both parties if it brings value to both parties. So don't don't get anything if it's not going to improve your life. But read about the, the various products. Our, our resources are designed to improve your life in the four areas of faith, finances, family, and friendship. Those four areas. Your rabbi, that's me, uh, look out in my mind's eye at my audience. And by the way, uh, thank you as always. Thank you for listening to the show and thank you for helping promote the show. Thank you for getting other people to listen to the show. You've been doing a great job on that. Those of you who've been actively telling people about it is really working and I really appreciate it. Thank you very much indeed. But uh, um, so there I, I look out in my mind's eye and uh, I see you all there. Uh, ageless, by the way. I, I don't see any of you of an age because we speak here on this show of matters of the soul, matters of the spirit, and, and that's all timeless and ageless, um, less so than, than matters of the body. So I don't, I don't see you of any particular age. I see you all as, as beautiful women, nubile women, handsome and virile men. That's what I see in front of me. Look, I, that, that's what I think you are. Those are the kind of people I think who would be attracted to this show. And, of course, happy warriors, all of us. And talking about uh, women who uh, are in that 77% of women who would rather the man pay for the date, yeah, not because you're trying to save a few dollars at the expense of the guy. I know that's not the reason at all. No, it's nothing to do with that. The reason is emotional. You feel good being with a man who pays as a token of his appreciation for your company. That's right. And I can, I can hear the gnashing of the teeth of uh, the uh, left-wing extremists out there, the secular fundamentalists out there, the um, uh, progressives out there who's saying, well, she should appreciate his company just as much as he appreciates your hurt. Yeah, uh, in, in completely different ways, of course. 
And uh, for instance, well, I, I'm not going to go into that right now, come to think of it. I'm not going to go into the different ways because time is limited and I have to focus on the, the main uh, results of my research that I humbly lay at your feet for your edification, for your entertainment, and for your delight. And, um, and what we've got is that uh, a woman is trying to find out whether the man she's with is likely to be the one, right? You've heard that expression, the one. Is he going to be the one? Maybe. But how does she find out on a date, for heaven's sake? How do you find that out? Well, a man's money is a very good place to start. First of all, she does want to know if he's kind and generous. That's an important thing. You know how horrible it is to be a woman married to a guy who is unkind and, uh, and who is not a generous human being? It's horrible. So, you know, if he pays and, and leaves a tip for the waiter and he's polite and friendly to the waiter, these are all good signs. I'm talking about a date over dinner. You know, there can be other dates as well. But uh, those are good signs. Uh, secondly, do you know what the guy paying for the date signifies? It signifies that he has a few dollars. And that's a good thing. Now, provided he didn't hold up a convenience store on his way to the date or mug a little old lady and take her pocketbook, provided he didn't obtain the money in his pocket at the point of a gun, then the only way he got it was by pleasing other human beings, maybe his boss, maybe clients, maybe customers in his store, whatever it is. But the fact that he's got some dollars to spare, that's a very good sign right there. And the fact that he's willing to spend them shows that he appreciates her and values her and, um, and, and that he's a kind and generous person. All of these things come across. The fact that uh, he um, uh, pays for the date, that he's got a few dollars, also means that he has a job. And if he has a job, it means other people think highly of him. Now, something I always tell guys is that if you're trying to get a read on a woman you're dating, don't ask your men friends. They'll be blown away by her beauty and they'll, they'll not see anything else. Ask the women in your life, women friend, maybe your sisters, maybe your mom. Ask women who you're friendly with, not women you're romantically involved with, but women you're friendly with or close to. Ask them what they think of the girl you're dating. And in the same way, uh, women, you're dating a guy, don't be silly. Please don't ask your girlfriends what they think of him. Ask other men what they think of him. And in general, if the guy you're dating has a job, that's a pretty good first step. Now, if he doesn't have a job, you shouldn't be dating him at all, but he may be concealing that. And by the way, one of the clues to that is when you ask him what he does for a living, uh, and he says, he starts off with a sentence, well, that's while he's thinking what to tell you. Well is just code word for unemployed. Uh, as, by the way, is the word consulting. Uh, not always, not always, but it's, uh, it's definitely a red flag. Oh, I do consulting. Okay, fine. Um, my first suspicion is unemployed. But then when it comes to protecting women, especially my daughters, uh, I am a bit of a meanie, I suppose, if, if that's what being a meanie really is. And so uh, uh, what else? What else does it tell us? Well, 
um, it, it tells us that he is part of that vast fabric of human economic enterprise, of people doing things for other people in exchange for dollars. That's all good. That's all valuable. It tells us something about the guy. And um, women uh, wanting the man to pay, yeah, nothing whatsoever to do with trying to save a dollar or two. No, no. It's because she understands the nature of the economic relationship. And please, please, I can already hear the gnashing of the teach and the screeching voices of the secular progressives who say, oh, so you're just promoting another form of prostitution. He pays and she puts out. Right, okay, fine. Overlooking the vulgarity. Uh, no, that's not true at all. However, what I will say is, don't knock prostitution. What do I mean by that? I can just see, I can just see me being quoted on this, folks. Uh, when 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 you quote me, and I never I never object to being quoted. I never ever say things to people like, "Don't tell anybody I said this." No, uh, as as a rabbi and as a public figure, I don't ever say things like, "Well, here's my answer to you, but don't tell anyone I said that." No, don't do that. So uh, you know, quote me, but at least please quote me fully and accurately. Don't quote me out of context. Uh, because I'm going to get into trouble on that one if you do. Uh, what do I mean by prostitution? Is let me let me put it this way: If a man has two options, he, and he asks me, "What shall I do tonight?" One thing is for sure: I'm going to have sex tonight. I, that's my plan. I'm either going to go to uh, a bar at the near the local university, and I'm going to pick up a, a co-ed student and seduce her, get a little bit drunk, and uh, and and take her back to my place. Uh, or I'm going to go and uh, find a uh, um, a uh, you know a nice looking prostitute and, and pay her for the evening. What do I do if if I accept him at his word that one of those two things is going to happen? What is the right response from me? I'll tell you without any question about it. Um, I hope I hope you have a pleasant evening and make sure you go to the prostitute. You know, no reason. Uh, why do I say it? First of all, you'll feel better about yourself. Why is that? Because as much as Hugh Hefner and the Playboy philosophy tried to persuade people, and as much as secular progressives try and persuade people to this day that sex is just an interchange between two people, it is a, a neural handshake, it's nothing more, it's two human beings pleasing one another with their bodies, nothing more than that. Um, the answer is that that's simply untrue. The fact is that um, the, the reality is that sex is more of a gift from a woman to a man than it is from a man to a woman. And that's why everybody bursts out laughing when a man, you know, says, well, I'm, I'm you know, God's gift to women. Everyone bursts out laughing, right? Because a woman can find God's gift to her by standing on a street corner and she'll have 300. Um, right no no trouble for a woman to find partners much much harder for a man to do so uh, a man pursues women much more than women pursue men um, sex is not just a mutual um, frictional neural handshake no uh, it is something that uh, it's a favor that a woman bestows upon a man. Now, do, does she get pleasure and joy and ecstasy out of it as well? Well, she certainly ought to. That certainly is, is part of the responsibility of a man, absolutely. But um, at the same time, 
uh, it is the the man requesting. And so to get anything for free is always corrosive. It's like getting charity. And the nice thing about, and again, please quote me carefully on this, but the nice thing about prostitution is that a man comes away not feeling that he's taken advantage of somebody. I'm serious. Have you ever wondered why Hugh Grant was caught with a prostitute? Hugh Grant was married to Elizabeth Hurley at the time, right? Elizabeth Hurley is still, even in her 50s, I think she is, she's a beautiful woman. Uh, So imagine back then, and he was caught with a prostitute. Why? Right? Um, The answer is because a man feels less indebted when he pays the woman. Now, I'm not saying that on a date, sex is part of the equation or sex is expected. On the contrary, I I think that would be a a very mistaken perception of the whole thing. Not at all. But the idea that it is the man showing his ability financially goes back to the engagement, right? A man gives an engagement ring to a girl. Does the girl like it if he says, by the way, uh, just to let you know of what a a careful, frugal sort of guy you're going to be marrying, I picked this up at a flea market for about $6. Isn't it great? What does the woman think? Now, wouldn't it be logical and rational for her to say, oh, my darling, I'm so happy that we're getting married. I'm so happy to be engaged to you uh, because you've demonstrated your value as a husband. No, no right thinking woman would ever say that. She wants him to spend a few dollars on that ring, especially for her. That's what she wants. Now, does the man say, and by the way, now, since we're engaged and I've given you an engagement ring, I'd like a reciprocal gift from you. And uh, if it could be a a Rolex uh, timepiece, I'd like that very much. No. Why? Because it's understood. This is a reality. The man does prove who he is financially. That is part of the deal. It's not prostitution. It's not buying the woman. It's not commoditizing or objectifying the woman. None of these silly phrases apply. It's none of those things. It is simply the man doing the manly thing. And so uh, my advice to to women in this situation, and I've I've told my daughters and I've told uh, um, every every woman who's who's consulted me on this over the last couple of years, is... um, don't even do the faint for the wallet. A lot of women do that these days. They reach for their wallet when the bill comes, expecting and hoping the guy's going to say, please don't worry, I'm taking care of this. You know, I've got this. Uh, don't even do that because it's totally accepted. It is proper and appropriate behavior for you to expect the man to pay for the date. It's as simple as that. Now, if you know you don't want to see him again, then I'd recommend that you either pay or pay half. If you're trying to end it, no. Why? Because by allowing the man to pay for you, you are, as it were, one could almost say uh, that you are you're surrendering your time. And you're, you, you're not surrendering your body, but you're surrendering your time. You're saying, I'm with you. My, my, my time is yours. I'm 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 here in your company and I'm enjoying it. Um, that's and that's a good thing. But if you're not enjoying it, you want out. You know, there's not going to be another one. Then by all means, don't let him pay. Uh, that 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 makes perfect sense. But otherwise, 
absolutely man pays for the date please don't listen to any of the nonsense that's flowing around out there and my goodness i have had to wade through so much deep fertilizer so much of it in order to um, to get to the bottom of what's going on here you can't imagine how much unadulterated bilge water is out there on the topic of whether men should or should not pay for the date uh, the answer is clear yes they should end of story if you're in, unable to do so you should not be dating as a matter of fact shouldn't be dating at all you should only be courting but that's the topic for another rabbi daniel lappin show altogether so do visit the website rabbidaniellappin.com you know what to do products are three audio cds called the ancient jewish wisdom television show you will love them go ahead get them and uh, have a wonderful week of good health and prosperity i'm rabbi daniel lappin god bless <music>